I'm John Caldera, president of Independence Institute. David Flaherty is, how do you say it, an unpopular pollster. He has a knack for telling clients what they don't want to hear. Like years ago, when he told Republicans that their time is over in Colorado. That didn't go over very well. This is the audio version of our television program, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that show by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute Television. Or just go to thinkfreedom.org. I hope you'll enjoy this discussion. Nothing more fun than talking to a pollster to find out what happened and why so many pollsters get it wrong. David Flaherty with Magellan Strategies. Always good talking with you. Thanks for joining me. Great to see you, John. All right. So you've been in Colorado for a long time now. 15 years. And you've got strong feelings about Republicans, strong feelings about their messaging, strong feelings about where the state's been going, and strong feelings about why you thought Republicans weren't going to do well. You and I have had many discussions, some of those discussions over beer, which get very animated. So let's just dial it back a little bit. Were you surprised? No. Uh, For those who just tuned in, you and I know what we're talking about. Were you surprised that when many conservatives thought Republicans would at least make some sizable gains this year in the state house, the state senate, Maybe you know, a couple of the constitutional seats like Secretary of State or uh, Treasurer. You're not surprised at all? No. Why not? I'm not, John. Well, first and foremost, voting strength. Um, compared to four years ago in the 2018 midterm election, uh, there's fewer Republican voters um, compared to uh, about 30,000 more Democrats and a lot more unaffiliated voters. The voting strength isn't there. I'd, I've never bought the myth that oh, those Republican numbers are down because those folks decided to become unaffiliated voters and they're just hiding out in the unaffiliated numbers. That's a complete myth and it's not true. Um, I'm one of those guys. I'm unaffiliated, but... So am I. I like to choose my primaries as, you know, a former center-right voter, you know, registered Republican. Bottom line is, compared to four years ago, uh, in some of the Republican strongholds of El Paso, Douglas County, Mesa County, Weld County, uh, the voting strength there has absolutely declined. There's just simply fewer Republicans there. There's a lot more unaffiliated voters. And the idea of them voting closer to Election Day and that we're going to have this big Election Day turnout is actually a myth. Um, 100,000 fewer Republicans voted in this midterm election than they did in 2018. But also there were fewer Democrats that voted, but they still outpaced Republicans by about 50,000 in turnout. And there were a couple of hundred thousand more unaffiliated voters for voting, and we knew they weren't voting for Republicans. But even if there were fewer Republicans or even fewer unaffiliated, but usually Republican-leaning unaffiliated voting, unaffiliateds were paying higher prices for everything. Unaffiliateds were seeing crime. Unaffiliateds were getting their cars robbed and broken into and seeing homeless encampments unaffiliated were seeing the problems throughout Colorado that were strangling also the nation. This was supposed to be a red year all around, and especially in, in Colorado. Now, we all, we all had a sense that Jared Polis, who was a popular governor, would probably sail to a, to a re-election, especially given his pocketbook. Uh, but the idea that the state Senate and the state House would see sizable gains, why wouldn't those unaffiliated voters go, I see the price of food. I see the price of gas. I see the crime. These are the pocketbook issues that, that are hitting me. And I see the joke of a president we have. And anytime the president is there, that midterm election, particularly the first midterm election, is usually a huge, huge backlash election. It makes perfect sense for most pollsters to go, this is going to be a good year. Absolutely. The environment couldn't have been better for Republicans and for the incumbent Democratic Party that owns every lever in our state, in majorities in the State House and the State Senate. Um, the environment was right, but there's two sides of the coin, John. Um, it's just not simply, hey, the environment's terrible, go, go with the other party. Because um, the other party, being the Republican Party, has an image problem. Um, it has a lack of trust that it can govern problem. It has a problem that when you ask the average Coloradan, what do Coloradans, or Republicans, excuse me, care about and want to fight for? They think of Donald Trump. They think of January 6th. 
they they don't think of a solution-based party. They think of a party that's really more interested in perhaps cultural issues, Roe v. Wade, uh, conservative issues, rather than good center-right, competent leadership that the Republican Party used to have an advantage over Democrats on. That's gone, and that's part of the environment too. Like it is the toxic after wash, if you will, of the Donald Trump presidency. It is. Go ahead. We're not talking about a presidential election sure. here. We're not talking about. We were talking about, you know, Joe O'Day, and then eight guys running for Congress. So you know that that's. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about sixty-five guys running for state house. We're talking about four guys running for constitutional seats, and what seventeen or eighteen uh, state senators. None of those have anything to do with this. Uh, tell me, explain, explain the it's leap from, from Trump to these guys, especially since we did not have Hanks running for the Senate. We didn't have Tina Peters running for, for this. It seemed to, to, to somebody like me like, oh, we, we uh, got those guys out of the system. This, this should show Colorado voters that this is not the party of Trump in Colorado. I don't think that's been solved. I agree with you, um, but it's still there. The average unaffiliated voter is looking at a Republican and they're like, I don't know if you're a Trump-loving, Ron Hanks kind of person or a Lauren Boebert that I just cannot stand and refuse to vote for, or if you are what, I mean, people don't even remember Governor Owens, you know, when he retired in 2006, what a center-right Republican is. Uh, it doesn't exist on the front range. I mean, what's the example? Joe O'Day? Joe O'Day's, you know, had a hard enough time blocking and tackling his way out of the primary. Remember, Ron Hanks got nearly 45% of the vote. Very loud, very vocal. There's a lot of things you can blame or look at. But at the end of the day, it's still there, John. And the Republican Party in Colorado and its multiple funded independent expenditure and its, and its, and its excuse me entities, I would say, did a very poor job of just skipping over the fact that, or not picking up that, look, we need to really make clear to those unaffiliated voters the kind of Republican you are, the kind of policies that you're going to fight for, and put some meat on the bones, perhaps. Because if you don't, they're just going to assume you're another Lauren Boebert. And Lauren Boebert doesn't sell on the front range, I'm sorry. In fact, it barely sold in her own <laughs> district. And, you know, look, with this presidential, you know, that's a whole other story for 24 when Turnout's going to be a little bit higher, and we'll see if she can survive that one. But that style, that brand, Republicans, or excuse me, Coloradans have rejected overwhelmingly, and it was there, and it should have been dealt with. It's always been there. We saw it in all of our internal polling, and we just knew. I mean, not being dealt with, because you've got O'Day who said he's pro-choice. Sure. Um, you got O'Day who was chastised publicly by Trump. You know, you think, sure. well, how much oh. more anti-Trump could you get? You had um, okay. uh, Pam Anderson, who was who you know every uh, every Trumpster was beating up on. Uh, you know, so it, it seemed it seemed to Republicans. Oh, no, let, okay. let me, let me try ahead. this one. Compared to other Republican years, other years, sure, we probably had a more sane class of candidates from Heidi down to uh, legislative candidates. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't have a, a Dan Mays. We didn't have a Daryl Glenn who was spouting off from the very top, I know I'm, a, I'm a pro-life constitutional conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have any of that. This was probably the most moderate group of characters running as Republicans from the top down to the bottom that I've seen in a decade or two. Fair well, enough? To some, I think you have got to, if you look at the candidates overall, sure, I, I would no longer put Heidi Ganahl in that uh, category of a moderate. I'm, nobody really knows what kind of candidate she was. Her campaign was Compared so... Compared to like George Lopez? Um, at least I think... Greg Lopez? Well, I think Greg Lopez at least would have been clear. He wouldn't have been talking about furries. He wouldn't have been talking about things that are absolutely irrelevant to, you know, 80% but he of the electorate. talking about a, a stolen election. Uh, <laughs> another stench from the republic you know from donald trump why are we even going there why weren't our candidates saying from day one the election wasn't stolen i will accept the results we have a very sound electoral system here and i'm going to stick by it like who said that 
Pam Anderson said that. Okay, down ballot, fine. Yeah. Secretary of State, kind of not going to get watched a ton other than, you know, because right. Jenna's such a, you know, active and politically active Secretary of State. But again, John, I don't know all of our candidates for the state Senate right. and the state House of exactly how moderate they were positioning themselves in our front range districts, especially. I really don't know. I, I just think, I mean, and Joe O'Day was the softest Republican senatorial candidate, U.S. senatorial candidate we've had at the same time. At, at, at the a same, long, long uh, time. An election is, is you have two choices, and it's yeah. just not in a vacuum. Meaning, right. what what did uh, you know? What has Michael Bennett done uh, that's so terrible? Did did what's out there? The ads I saw were pretty weak, in my opinion. Um, I just felt like you couldn't drive up the guy's negatives. He's kind of a nebulous candidate running for his third yeah. term. That's there, you know. He's boring before, he's boring after. He's, uh, and yeah. boring's probably, you know, not so bad right now. It's better than anarchy in January 6th stuff, you know, and, and that's all still there. Are you saying that your polling showed that the stench of this Trump personality or the, that, that Republicans that label Republican, even though, let's just say it, a junkie like me, mm -hmm. who knows the personalities, knows the state issues, knows right. all these things, uh, that while I can parse these things, that for most Colorado voters, they don't follow it the way I follow it. And therefore, they paint with this huge, broad brush, and the Republicans don't stand for governing this way. They stand for stolen elections, Yes. Um, they stand for social issues, abortion. Yeah, but that's really all I know what a Republican is. Yeah, critical race theory and classrooms, sexuality stuff, rather than really talking about perhaps your ballot measure, like I'm going to lower taxes. Um, the rising cost of living is affecting everybody. I didn't see a compelling message. And granted, a federal candidate's more difficult to address those things than a state right. candidate. But I didn't really see a, a true, straightforward agenda of like, look. Everything's going up. And my issue, which was lowering the income tax, yes. I put no money into. I knew it would pass. Sure, sure. I, you know, there was no need for me to put any money into it, and sure. I wasn't going to. Sure. It would have been a waste it's of money. It's straightforward. It's easy to understand. Right. And like, who's against a tax I, cut? I, I would not waste my donors' money putting <laughs> any money into that. I know you would never do that, John. Yeah. I just think you have to look at it case by case, but I would argue that Republicans had to work twice as hard, like they also needed to do in 2020, to convince their unaffiliated voters truly what they would do if they were given the opportunity. Because I think that the Republicans, even at the state level, have a serious lack of uh, trust in them governing just because of the characters that come out, such as the Ron Hanks and the ones, the election deniers. And that just also feeds into the national narrative. And that's why Colorado's a loser for Republicans overall. Granted, there was a wet blanket thrown on the entire effort. I mean, on election day, I got a memorandum from some pretty high up folks saying, we're going to pick up four Senate seats. We're going to pick up 30 to 40 in the House. Kari Lake's going to, you know, grab, you know, take McMaster's over the, the, the line in, in, in Arizona. Uh, there was a lot of missed, missed, uh, you know, measurement of voter opinion out there. And it was ironic because in 2000... Was this from fellow pollsters? No, no. This was from uh, some friends of mine uh, in the uber super nuclear Republican star it. chamber, if you will. This is everybody, you know, like all the big money. Everybody's that, yep, they were ready to like, we are, we are going to have a really, really good year, a uh, good day today. And, um, wow. and as a pollster, believe me, we haven't gotten it right every single time in our 16 years of doing Colorado or, or and, you know, I know what this is but like. You, you and I yeah. have known each other a long time. Yes. And you and I have been kind of saying the same thing for a long time in private conversations, which is the character of Colorado has changed so much and that Republican, the Republican Party is slow to face it. Republican donors are slow to face Absolutely. it. Absolutely. The Republican establishment and the consulting classes are very slow to, to change. Why would they? They're, they get paid anyway. Um, that, that there is a... Um, uh, that. Colorado, demographically, is a whole different animal. I saw this coming you know, a decade ago uh, as the demographics changed, as the laws changed. So let me ask you this. 
if you could rewind, go back two years, year and a half, and knowing the candidates that we were going to have, do you think that these could have been winnable candidates if they had different strategies? It's an interesting question. For the environment to be different, yeah, those let's, candidates let's, could let's, have been competitive. Let, let's say let, from, but, from O'Day to Heidi, uh, all the way down, saying, all right, here's a do-over card, put you back in the Wayback Machine two years, you guys are going to you know, win, your, win the primaries, um, and here's, here's what you're going to need to do. Starting then, including the Republican Party, including the offseason, here's what we need to do in order to win. Could you still win? Is there a possibility you could, you could win? I know this is a, this is a thought, thought experiment. Or is it that the demographics of the state, the influx of Californians, uh, New Yorkers, people from Illinois, and the outflow of what I call the real Coloradans going to Wyoming, Texas, and Florida mm -hmm. has changed so much, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have mattered. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's the dichotomy I'm, I'm proposing. Sure. I would have to rewind to 2016 and Hillary Clinton would have needed to win the presidency. Then those candidates would have been competitive or had more of a fighting chance um, without question. I don't think you or a lot of people understand how prevalent the stench of Donald Trump and his style is over every Republican candidate in the state. Like Cory Gardner had absolutely no chance of being yeah, reelected in January, unfortunately. He, he should have. If Hillary Clinton had won in 2016 and there was never a Donald Trump, Cory Gardner would still ha would have had, I bet he probably still would have won another close one, but would have gotten it done in uh, 2020. Um, so to my false dichotomy, yeah, there it is. Yeah. So to the, to the, Before I get to the demographics, but go ahead. Yeah, so, so to the, the terrible thought experiment I just gave you, if you could go back two years, sure, you, and you, you could redo it from that point, there's still nothing. You, now without you know everything, we still would have lost everything. Republicans would have lost everything no matter what, is, is, your, is your supposition. Because the demographics to, and the Trump world outside of Colorado, with that, there's no win. Going back two years, so if you're really- I, I, I understand, such an unfair question. No, but, no, yeah. it's not unfair at all. And I'm just trying I, to, I have no problems you yeah. putting me on the spot. John, we, we have always yeah. spoken the truth at Magellan because we don't lie, that's why yeah. nobody hires us. Because <laughs> they don't want us in the room because you're not gonna raise any yeah. money. It's like, it's yeah. you know kind of a luck shot. However, um, I think some things in the message could have been better, and I think they still would have lost, but it would have been a more admirable and valiant loss. Um, I really just, from our viewpoint, what we see in our polling and what I just saw as a resident of Broomfield, where I lived and what I saw, I just did not really you know, think they were the most compelling candidates at the top of ticket by any means. I'm not that familiar with the Senate candidates. Right. I know. Uh, like you mentioned, you were excited about this class of candidates uh, that ran. Um, but I, I think they still would have lost just because, not just because people don't identify as a Republican in such low numbers uh, that are 44 and under, and that's where a lot of the growth of our registration has been um, since 2018. Um, you know, it's nearly, you know, 600,000 more registered voters of that. Nearly half, or more than half of them are 44 and under. They're all very young. Is speaking to those voters and in, in, in a way, I'm not saying you have to adopt uh, you know, woke policies, if you will, uh, unaffiliates still repel from them. But I just think that unaffiliated voters, even if you had rewound and been even more moderate or really stuck to the game plan through thick and thin, denied, you know, said the election is going to be fair and I don't believe anything was ever stolen and I'm going to accept the results on November 8th, no matter what's going to happen. If they had talked more about other issues, perhaps, and stuck to that plan, with a very uh, animated, you know, primary, you know, 400,000 yeah. Republican primaries are screaming in your face, 200,000 of which voted for Ron Hanks, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's tough to get to that place and have that kind of environment when the base is so divided over that because they're just not going to tolerate that, that kind of Republican candidate. And that's why I still think they would have still lost, you know, but that uh, a more concise message, perhaps, I think, um, you know, I don't have the plan agenda. We weren't involved in right. any Republican entities this cycle uh, in Colorado, um, but I think it could have been closer, I guess. All right, but still, what, you're, what, what I'm hearing 
is what I've been feeling in my bones that the, the character of the state, the demographics of the state have been so harsh that it, it's, we were doomed and Trump was the was the was absolutely the yes it accelerated it it was gas on the on the inferno all right to, to take it then the republican party has an identification problem that people absolutely. say absolutely. republican yes and when people say republican you know i hear republican i go less taxes yep. more individual freedom pro business you know leave me alone to live my life that's what i hear but i'm a freak you are when I when I go out there and I talk to somebody who's not a not not, a, not tuned into politics. I say Republican, you know, freak job, um, uh, Trumpy, storming the Capitol, telling me what I can do with my uterus. Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I mean, where do you want to begin? Yeah, telling telling gay people they you know they can't get married. Absolutely. Telling telling, telling uh, women what to do with their bodies. That's what a Republican. Assault rifles is. all day long. Um, Roe v. Wade, um, anarchy uh, in our nation's capital, denying the election, very comfortable with saying anything and anything, you know, and lying, uh, no integrity. They don't think center-right, smaller government, more money in your pocket, more opportunity, and there's the word prosperity is completely absent, um, you know, and, and that's unfortunate because there's many unaffiliated voters that, you know, the, the Democratic Party registration has not grown. It's it's stayed around 27, 28 percent. It has slowly declined. Republicans are below one in four registration now. Like it's just it's yeah. gone away. And it's, you know, the unaffiliated that are voter. But like the Democrats are not winning over hearts and minds. They're just the better alternative right now because you don't know what you're going to get with a Republican. You don't know if you're going to get an anarchist or if you're going to get a thoughtful center right person. And, you know, we projected six years ago, you know, look, if the Republican Party didn't change and start speaking to these unaffiliated voters, especially younger unaffiliated voters with a more center of the road, center right message rather than a radical, you know, my way, highway message, Tr Donald Trump's populist message, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to be competitive. And we're going to be a regional party. We're bleeding as a regional party, John. Do you realize that Heidi and Joe Day barely won El Paso County? Like there's no, the numbers just aren't there. You used this term six years ago, regional party. Explain that term meaning you're completely uncompetitive, non-competitive in statewide elections, but yet you rule the roost in regional areas such as Mesa County out in Grand Junction, the Western Slope, the Eastern Plains, Weld County, even though their demographics right. are Douglas County. But all of that's eroding. Um, it used to be that if you won Jefferson County, you won the state. And so that was the swing county. That has now turned all Democrat. It used to be Arapahoe County was a solid Republican county. That's now solidly Democrat. It used to be Dugco was a solidly Republican county. That is now swinging to becoming more it is. Democrat. It's, those are the last holdouts. Yeah. The last holdouts are really Douglas. El Paso is going away. You know, but uh, you know, it, it the Republican Party will have a couple blues or a couple red spots on the map that Yes. You know. And they'll be in the Western Slope and the Eastern Plains. There will be times, uh, you know, time will move on and there will be certain election cycles in the future where, uh, you know, Democrats may overreach. They have a really large majority now. A lot of the Democrat friends that I speak to, that's some of their biggest concerns. We've seen this, too, when, you know, uh, on the electoral level, if your majority's too big, there's a lot more room for Goobers. call them fringe candidates yeah. or, or the, the, the real true believers. They're going to have more true believers there and they're going to have to try to rein them in because... The Democratic Party leadership, in my opinion, understands that. And yes, they have a big tent, but they got a lot of people to take care of. And some crazy ideas are going to bubble to the top. I don't know if Governor Polis is going to want to reject those things or not. But one way or the other, you know, that's their biggest problem that they have. And so if they do overreach and some crazy ideas maybe sneak through, it could create a decent opportunity. And hopefully, you know, this anarchy kind of populism that Donald Trump breeds has moved on. You could have an environment where Republicans could have a respectable showing at, for, at some measurable level, but it sure as hell isn't going to be statewide. <laughs> Thank you for always cheering me up the, only, <laughs> the way only you can, David. All right, so talk to me a little bit about Lauren Boebert. And why I want to put this under the microscope is here was, um, here was a district I think most people took for granted. 
this was a nine-point advantage uh, generic ballot, if I, if, I, if I remember the numbers right. This was a safe district. Somebody many people consider to be our AOC. You know, yeah, she's out there. She's a celebrity. You know, she gets a lot of camera time. She uh, does crazy things. But, you know, she gets a lot of money, a lot of attention, la, 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 la. Mm -hmm. um, when her own district almost kicks her out, mm -hmm. um, that speaks volumes. And to go precisely to your point, as, as the state's number one Trump fan mm -hmm. in, the, in the federal delegation. Without question. Yeah, without question. Um, there was a real repudiation, I think, of Trump in a district that was a pro-Trump district. I forget what their vote was, but I think they were plus five for Trump mm -hmm. um, in mm -hmm. 2020. I think mm -hmm. that's what it was. I don't know exactly what's up my hand. But, uh, but it was something like that. They did, they did mm -hmm. go for Trump, I believe. Uh, tell me what that means. Interpret that for me. Well, for Lauren Boebert, it's... You know, it's a it's a lesson. You better it's change a, your behavior. It's a big, right, you win by six hundred votes. You want to keep your job. Um, it's decision time for her. Um, Between what and what? Well, uh, you know, keeping being who she wants to be, being the national firebrand that she is. As she said, the, to be the anti AOC, uh, that could be very heady, uh, without question. Yeah. She has you know hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and so forth. And she can be bombastic and so forth and do her thing, you know, exactly why did voters have a con cause or concern? Well, you want to fly that close to the flame, you know, not to the flame of Donald Trump. I think there was just a lot of voters that were like, you know what, I, it, that just that association with him makes me uncomfortable. Is it? Enough of them. Enough of them. Go ahead. Is it him or is it? It's her the too. Idea? Is it the ideas? For instance, um, Tancredo. Tancredo would also say the most crazy-ass things, but it's Tancredo, and he would say it with a sparkle in his eye. Absolutely. And, and even though it was crazy and people out of state would go, that's insane. Yes. People in Colorado go, Tom, you know, Tom, you know, it was, it was a very different, it didn't, sure. it didn't offend people. They would kind of laugh because they know Tom. Tom's, you know, Tom's, Tom's your uncle telling a good joke. And it wasn't quite the same thing. And it's a, almost a contextual thing. It's, it's not. And with Tom championing, you know, being the champion of immigration way, way back in the day, yeah. he had an issue. Uh, he was the kind of guy that could get under your skin. But you're right. Like, that was a different sort of person that made you uncomfortable. But they're still going to vote for him, like you said. I think what Lauren Boebert you know, uh, really going all in on, you know... Uh, Showing up at Mar-a-Lago. Mar Mar-a-Lago, tweeting out, you know, today's seven, you know, 1776, you know what I mean? Like, like she's really, really, right. really, you know, liberty, freedom, her versions of it, whatever they may be, I just think they, you know, watching her for two years, she makes people uncomfortable, so that's why she really put herself uh, in very close jeopardy. And... Uh, I don't think she's going to exactly change her tune, but if she learns how to perhaps have a little bit style and sharpen the edges, maybe, you know, she, you know we'll just have to watch and see. Turnout's going to be higher in 2024. I think you're going to have a lot of Democrats coming after her because now that they know how close that she can be. And if she changes who she is, I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, I just think she's just a, a comment that's going to go nonstop and, that you know, whatever be damned and let her try to figure out, you know, she's you know, see if she can still get it done in a, in a presidential election. So... I don't know. It's going to be really intriguing to watch. That's the number one, you know, political story or, you know, as a political observer that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. It'll be very interesting to see. Even she put out a tweet yesterday uh, over the tragedy of the shooting down in Colorado Springs saying this is a tragedy, da, 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 da. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. And holy cow, they just started laying into her because that's, I think, uh, you know, most people would think that she usually doesn't tweet out those sorts of sentiments uh, around, you know, tragedies or has in the past. I think that's day one where she may realize I need to show a little bit more empathy. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know Lauren Boebert. I've never met her. I don't know her team um, and exactly what makes her tick other than what I just see out there and how she, she carries herself. So we'll have to see. Going forward, if you could sit down with Mr. Republican Party of Colorado, <laughs> and so finally Mr. Republican Party of Colorado invites you over to his house 
And you're sitting back afterwards, and Mr. Republican Party has some brandy and cigars, as I'm sure Mr. Republican Party would. And you're finally having a, a nice, honest moment. What would you tell him? That he wants to win again. He wants, he, he needs to win again. And he's receptive to what you have to say. And he wants to hear it at, uh, as bluntly as possible. And you would say, hey, Colorado Republican Party, my dear old friend, Nobody else will tell you this, so I'm just going to give it to you straight. I just think you have to start with the premise of being a solutions-based party, and you come up with center-right solutions. Uh, my heyday when I was at the Republican National Committee from 1992 to 2002, I think we had at one point 38 governorships, and we had ideas. What does that mean? What that means is, is that out of the 50 governorships in the, in the United States, we had 38 of them. Wow. We had a very, very large number of governors and governors, and we embraced center-right ideas like tort reform, um, like a lot of different things, like lower taxes, like, like getting people off of welfare, like conservative ideas. I will even go far to say, and I'm sure some of your audience will absolutely start throwing things at the TV, but George W. Bush being a compassionate conservative. The Republican Party image is not compassionate. In fact, it's Probably more people are uncomfortable around it because you don't know what you're going to get. They're more angry. That's why they attacked yeah. the Capitol on January 6th. But you need to be a center-right party with solutions. It is completely bereft of ideas. The Trump wing doesn't even care about policy. If you ask them, what did you do for education today? What did you do to create a job today? What did you do to grow investment in your community? They're just like, well, no, I don't care about those things, but I, I want to try to impeach Joe every day. Go, go Brandon. That doesn't register with our extremely educated Colorado communities. We're the second largest state of four-year colleges degree, but you must come up and be a center-right party with policy solutions. Um, unfortunately, I just think policy is completely thrown out the window with your typical Republican agendas, parties, caucuses. It's just completely bereft of ideas, and I think that's where you need to begin because there's plenty to contrast with um, on a Democratic well, agenda. But Mr. Colorado Republican Party, who will be smoking a Cuban cigar, which was smuggled in, would be saying, Flaherty, what the hell are you talking about? We had bills to do this. We had, we had our commitment to Colorado, which had listed all these things that we were going to do, uh, very policy-oriented. Um, and, 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 and exactly how did you promote them? Um, how come I never heard about it? I never got a text. I'm a registered, unaffiliated voter living in Broomfield. I should have got a text. Why? Where's the bullhorn? Where's the actual channel and the apparatus behind it? Like, are you, and then you're going to whine and complain that Every, the local media won't say anything about our things. You need to go directly to the people. I think it's just been, there's, it's just not even in existence. And that's maybe why I don't even know about it. And I follow this time to time. I'm in another line of work now. I really concentrate more on ballot measures and other things. I never heard about it. And I should have. I should have found out about it. Now, I, I would question... The investment in the communication infrastructure strategy, like it is more cost effective now to get somebody's attention by sending them a MMS text on their phone. And you have predictive modeling data, like you should know what issues these voters care about, these incredibly important unaffiliated voters. I don't know anything about, not like to say that they're all going to have time and they can't wait to tune in, but at the same time, I just question the channel or the investment made from whatever level the Republican Party um, on... You know, I don't think KBB was a good, you know, chairwoman of the Republican Party. I think she did the best she could. I enjoyed watching her talking about how important our affiliates were, and that's all we care about now. But I still think it's also just sort of a farce, knowing full well how long the Republican Party has fought and resisted that, um, because that's being a traitor. And and I just don't see that happening. I mean, I've, I've worked with, with, with her. I thought she did a spectacular job. I think job. she did the best she could. I, I think she, she, she took on a ship that was going in the direction and did a, an incredible job uh, as best she could. That was, um, I think she's an incredible, incredible lady. I, I think that is a job I would not wish on my worst enemy. So, no, I, I, I'll, I'll disagree with you on it. But um, let me... Let me um, Can I just add one other thing? Yeah. The problem with the party, if you really want to diagnose it on top of it, like I said... Oh, by the way, I think the party, I don't believe there is a party. You know, the party does two things. It, it runs a primary, and it cashes checks from D.C. 
you know, the apparatus. It chooses our candidates, John. It chooses who the Republican nominees are going to be. And that's a major problem because it's not, oh, you know, the Lauren Boebert wing faction of the party. Like they want unapologetic Lauren Boebert style candidates and they are unelectable in most parts of our state. And that that's nothing you can do about that. What those voters want, they should get. And and there's nothing wrong with for them believing in or wanting that kind of candidate. But in the larger electorate, I'm sorry, when half of the Republican Party of the 800,000 roughly primary voters, 400,000 of them, you know what I mean, that do vote in the, excuse me, the 400,000 that vote in the primary and the roughly 150,000 that are un, unaffiliated, you know, they're, they're not going to buy into the kind of prescription I would like to give them. And because they just believe that's selling out. They will get vilified for it. There's no room for those kinds of candidates. So that's also why it, it's, it's, it's... The open primary is the only reason why somebody like O'Day won. Otherwise, it would have been Ron Hanks. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. The, 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 it would have been even worse. Yes, it would have. Absolutely it would have. Uh, but I still think that you know, it should be an exercise that the party has on a, on a day... Everybody gets a chance to speak. It should be $1,000 to register and 1,000 <laughs> voters. And I don't give a damn how long the ballot is because it's ridiculous that you have to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to, you know, just be on the ballot and all of that. If you want to... For those who aren't following you, what you're suggesting is anybody should be able to petition onto the ballot. Yep. And it should only cost you about $1,000 to get on the ballot. Yep. Not hundreds of thousands of dollars to petition on like O'Day had to spend. Correct. So in other words, not only rich guys Correct. like O'Day should be able to go. Correct. Poor guys like me, if we yep. wanted to run, should be able to run. Too. And, and, and yeah. five or six Lauren Boebert type thousand yeah. bucks, let them go nuts. Um, absolutely. And that the exercise of the assembly should still occur. You're, you'll have your 15 minutes. It'll be a great weekend. Everybody can talk. But that barrier should be completely removed, and I believe all candidates, however they raise their money, should be able to, look, if whatever you believe in and you want to speak and have your strategy about why you're the best nominee uh, for the Republican Party and you have the best chance of winning in November, because many of those voters don't care about winning in November. They care about feeling good and right and having somebody they can relate to. And that's a problem right now because, without, I'm sorry, with all due respect, the, the Lauren Boberts are not going to win statewide. Um, and arguably I also wonder if it's yeah. time to take a look at our campaign finance, which I despise all, all mm -hmm. over, and say, well, you know what? If you are a super rich guy, you can only spend this much of your money to make it fair so that, that the Jared Polis, Polises can't just buy their own elections because that is just remarkably unfair. Well, you know, again, it, it, we have the campaign finance laws that we have. And... You know, it, you can argue, too, that, you know, whether corporations or people and entities and, you know, look, the, the walls have really come down. There's a lot of money in the system uh, one way or the other. But I just I just think that the Republican Party uh, in registered Republican voters that want to vote in this and those unaffiliates. And even though we try to get rid of those unaffiliates, um, they do. They prefer a Lauren Boebert. That's what, what I'm they hearing want. Is, but I'm also hearing there's no room in Colorado for Trump Republicans to win statewide. None at all. None at all. Nope. There is no room in Colorado for social conservatives to win statewide. I when I say I would not put that in the same category, John. There's a really? big difference between a Trump voter, a Trump populist Republican voter, and a social conservative. There, there are two separate things. Uh, right, then let me drill down on this. Okay. I'm a Trump supporter. I believe the election was stolen. And I think I can win statewide. Okay. You. Yep. So you. You. That. That candidate will never win. Never win. Nope. I am a social conservative. I believe all abortion should be illegal, even in cases of rape and for the life of the mother and for uh, terminal illnesses of the fetus. Uh, I believe that uh, gay marriage should not be allowed. Uh, I don't. Um, and I. Uh, um, uh, and the Trump, the Trump candidate is still going to have a harder time, but that social conservative you're describing is very closely behind them. They'll still get a couple of more votes, but they also are going to have a big mountain to climb. I can't imagine that that conservative is going to win statewide either. I wouldn't either. But that that social conservative, I think, will have at least not the you know it's tied to that candidate, whether it be a male or female. The anarchy and the impressions you get from the Trump populist voter where you just don't know what you're going to get. And it's, 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 a, it's a much more 
radical, reckless candidate, where at least the social conservatives like, I don't like this person, um, you know, because I believe that women should have a right to choose, et cetera, et cetera. And, it, you know, they are firmly believe it's a man and a woman. I, I respect what they believe, but they're not going to go blow up the Capitol. They're not going to lie. They're not going to undermine democracy. Okay. I'm this Republican. Yeah, gay marriage. I'm going to live with gay marriage. Abortion, there should be a, a ban on late-term abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what, though? I am sick to death of all this woke crap. I am sick to death of critical race theory. And no, boys should not be allowed on the girls' swim team or in the girls' locker room. I'm that Republican. Mm-hmm. Can I win statewide? Um, you, you're you're going to be more competitive. Can I win, do you think? I would be careful on the critical race theory part. Really? Um, yes. Tell me why. Um, because that's also just a battleground where Republicans have found a place where they feel like they can, you know, gain some ground because they can't win in the legislature and they can't win in other areas. And critical race theory plays on, you know, perceptions, truthful or not, that, hey, um, there's, this is really going again, on. Just to be sure, you're, you're speaking as a pollster. I'm speaking as, absolutely, I'm as speaking a as temper- a Yeah, I just want people to know, absolutely. taking temperature of Colorado voters. A- 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 absolutely. But when you try to take that statewide, you're, you're also going to be running into a limit, limited number of voters that are going to believe that critical race theory, you know, that every third grade teacher in the vast majority of our public schools are telling students that they are inherently racist, you know, like, I've been hearing a lot of it when, uh, when during, uh, look, during COVID. I we're going to hear a lot of it. of it in 23, John. Okay. Yeah. But the bottom line is that's something that I would suggest you're better off just talking about at least school choice, parental choice, and more money and more pay for teachers in other areas. You know, critical race theory is going to be radicalized in this next election cycle in 23 as we come down there. The difference between those elections, though, in a typical school board election, 65% of the voters in those districts don't have a kid in the system. So they're going to believe a lot more what is said, you know, where the parents may know the truth or not. But that's kind of a battleground that I would put in the same category as wearing a mask during COVID. Two-thirds of Coloradans wanted you to wear a mask if you were close quarters or whatever. One-third was like, I am never going to wear a mask. I'm going to go out to Bandamere and burn it down, you know, like some of our other Republican and conservative leaders have done. That was a loser for the Republican Party because it's sort of like, look, I understand your arguments of liberty and freedom, but at the end of the day, would it, does it kill you so much just to put on a mask if you're going somewhere? You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's like that was a loser, okay? Um, I would put critical race theory well on being in that same shelf, that same kind of issues. Be careful what you wish for there. Sure, bash, get all the seniors riled up around CRT, even though the actual concept of whether it's happening or not Sure, nobody wants these things to occur, but you, have a, you, you could overreach there and go overboard where it's like, this is up there with election denial. I don't think this is really happening. I really don't believe, you know, these things are exactly going on. And, you, and this happens, I think, a lot where you're trying to make a point, trying to drive up a negative, like, don't vote for this Democratic candidate, this school board candidate, because you know what? They believe in cl- critical race theory and genderism and all kinds of things. And they're trying to jack up odd year uh, senior voters being like, you know what, you're right, this is exactly going on. Whether it's going on or not, I think that has a risk of going so far was just like, this is up there with the election denial stuff. There's nothing wrong with our election system and that, with all due respect, we're going to have a fair and, and, and equitable election. I think the Republican Party and conservatives could get out over their skis on this one and be like, you know what, people are going to be like, look, I, this has been addressed in the last cycle. I don't believe this is an issue anymore. How else are you going to improve my students or my nephews or friend, you know, education? Right. And, 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 you, and you win on that one, at least by embracing, we need to pay teachers more. Because when you ask a Coloradan, how can we improve our public education system? You know what the number one response is? It's not give me more choice. It is please pay the teachers more because I believe they are not getting paid enough. It's not paying the... Even though... That's not true. Uh, again, I'm just saying that's the perception, though. And the perception yes. is inaccurate. But again, getting back to your three kinds of candidates, yes. All right. All right, let me give you one last Republican candidate. Okay. All right, I'm a Republican, but I'm a libertarian-leading Republican. I don't care about gay marriage. Go marry whoever you want. I don't care. Take whatever drugs you want. I don't care. You think you're a furry? Great. Enjoy your cat box because I want you to have school choice and go to the school for felines. I don't care. But what I do care about is that we end this woke stuff because you have a right to free speech and you get to call people by man or woman. You can identify you where you like, but I get to say my own words. 
And by the way, you get your property rights. So don't tell me that I can't have my house and uh, don't tell me what I can pay my people and don't tell me uh, this and let me lower your taxes. Let me uh, keep my guns. Let me keep my property. This, I am, uh, this is what I want. I want to be left alone. I want businesses left alone and I want to end this uh, uh, regulatory hellhole that has become Colorado. I'm that Republican. That Republican will beat the other three hands down, but that person isn't a Republican. In all honesty, that person, that candidate, is the seeds of a true center party that has legs. And and Colorado is getting there. The country is getting there. I'm not going to say it's going to happen in 24, 26. But the wokeism is starting to drive away older Democrats that are just like, I'm sorry, I'm out. The Republican Party's nearly disintegrated in Colorado. I mean, like I said, it's gone down below 25%. Doesn't have the voting strength. But you have many unaffiliated voters, perhaps, that would be open to that kind of candidate. You just need to ditch the libertarian label because people think of that as kooky, something different, Ralph Nader. I don't know what you are. People don't even remember Ralph Nader. You know, but for these 44 yeah. and under voters, John, yeah. that agenda, they'll listen. They'll give you the time of day without question. And Republicans can't speak like that. They, they'll get crucified. You can't say, I don't care about taking marijuana or drugs or, you know, those kinds of things. Or, I don't care what you do because they do care about, you know, and they do believe, you know, the furry argument. They get all worked up over that. But that's such a minority. That's why. But that libertarian candidate, you remove that libertarian candidate and kind of run on those things. You're going to have somebody that's going to be an interesting candidate. I don't know if it can defeat the Democratic candidate, but that is by far a, good, a better place to start compared to the other three that you all profiled. Can Colorado be saved? When I say saved, let me be more precise. I see Colorado being eaten up by socialism. I see uh, environmental leftism, uh, command and control, uh, ripping in from every side. Uh, I see the only sensible um, um, policies being defeated uh, from Republican stupidity, uh, Democratic overreach. Uh, I've been seeing it eaten away, eaten away, and what I thought might happen has finally happened. And I don't see it changing for quite some time. I see that we can, I think Republicans are too busy trying to get Republicans to win instead of having policy victories. Uh, I, I don't know. Are we California in 1968? We still have lots of room to make bad mistakes before all those bad mistakes catch up to us and people start leaving in droves. So excellent question. Possibly. Possibly. Um, it's funny because I look at other states like I think Arizona is where we were six or eight years ago and it's going to be Colorado where we are. I think Colorado is going to, Arizona is going to erode um, and become more competitive for Democratic candidates. I still believe uh, that the the bad example of an Illinois or a New York or a California, the very high, like their property taxes are so high, like people can't live there anymore. Um, and, and those things being removed. Oh, and the progressive income taxes make it that, that sure. productive people aren't going to live I, there. I think, I think that, I don't know if the Democratic leadership, that more likely than not are the ones that are going to have to make this choice. And the ones that I know, even the ones that even they feel uncomfortable around wokeism, are still center left. And they understand that taxes still do matter and tax burdens and so forth. Like I, I know they're there, but they're having their own fight within the party. And I don't know if they're going to win it. I don't know if wokeism, as Gen Z matures and becomes older, just like the millennials did. And it's kind of different once you own a mortgage and you're trying to buy a home and real life touches you. And I've always had this belief for years, even all the years I was in Washington, D.C. I feel like there are millennials there that... They see that and they understand the burden of taxes on a family and leading to prosperity and so forth, not just economically, but in other ways, but that we've had such a dysfunctional set of priorities coming out of the Republican Party that they can't even, they won't even look or give them a time of day because Republican leadership is just in right, you know, not even in the ballpark. Um, and I think that, I don't know if Gen Z is going to continue to be woke and so forth, whether they care about economic security and those things, but eventually they do when they do have kids and, and, and get older. So I, I still hang my hat on that, but to be full on some of the worst examples like California, I don't know. I hope we don't get there. Um, I, I don't know, but the numbers are moving in that direction because um, simply because the Republican Party doesn't have the numbers to counter this. 
it will always be a minority party moving forward. I really think this was the final straw for a while. Just like Dick Wadhams said, who I have the utmost respect for, that um, considering Republican candidate is, I wouldn't say a whole generation, as he said, you know, the Republican Party is just persona non grata. But I think it's definitely, you know, not, not, in, not top of mind. Or very few voters will give it consideration uh, for a good six to eight years. Always an uplifting, <laughs> delightful, life-affirming, it's a wonderful life kind of experience when I spend time with you. It's I great to, to see you, John. It's great to catch up. Hey, people want to get on your mailing list on uh, sure. Magellan Strategies. Always a good thing to be on. Where do they go? Uh, MagellanStrategies.com. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter and so forth. We're kind of making some changes there, depending on what you're interested in. Um, but we do put out public polling time to time. We do not put out as much political horse race stuff. It's kind of more issue-based these days. It's um, good stuff. Yeah, we want to kind of cover, you know, uh, now that we're behind on the election and we didn't put out any political stuff, we have plenty of internal stuff to see, is our polling methods going to hold up? And, you know, unfortunately for the Republican Party, we, we did not see, uh, you know, the Republican surprise coming. However, you know, we want to cover more issues. We think crime and safety, obviously, is a very hot topic. That's no, going you, to be, yeah. in, in all candor, you saw this coming at least a decade ago. Uh, we've been talking about it a long time. You've been proven right. Thanks, John. I've not read about <laughs> everything. <laughs> thanks, thanks, but it doesn't feel that good, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And um, no, it's just unfortunate because we are, you know, one party state are, are not a lot of fun. Um, but they're, you know. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see you in hell. <laughs> thanks again, David. Thank you, John. This is John Caldera. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. You can listen to more episodes on all streaming services, with new ones being released weekly. And remember, this is the audio from our television show. To watch the video version, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations. <laughs>